Happy Friday morning to all of you out there, and welcome to Defenders of the Bank with Philly and The Scarf. We are recording the second episode slash edition of the 2019 Lamar Hunt Open Cup here in Philomonster Studios in beautiful Burbank, California. Scarfy, I gotta say, Bank of California Stadium, there was an awful lot of black this evening. Present company excluded. I was wearing my Philip Ajimato jersey. Shout out Philip Ajimato. But black is an appropriate attire to wear when you attend a funeral. And what I mean by funeral is the fact that today's game will be known as the Earthquake Wake. Funeral in the sense that we buried San Jose. Rest in peace, Papa Smurf. We are just a few hours past that matchup between LAFC and the Smurfquakes of San Jose Village. What a game it was, wasn't it, Scarf? It was so nice to be back at the bank. I feel like we hadn't been there in, I don't know, months, years even, in the span of an LAFC season. If I'm not spending every weekend at Bank of California Stadium, something seems amiss. And it was just nice to be back there amongst family, although shout out Philly to our boy LAFC Punk. He did make quite the observation when it came to ticket prices. I know he wanted this to be our wait what What? moment of the podcast, but we just want to give him a quick shout out. Philly, uh, on our Instagram wall, I think LAFC Punk was onto something. He was. He made the comment that the stadium might have been more filled if they would have honored the $20 tickets that they had last year as opposed to the $40 general admission tickets. And it was quite a raise in terms of the actual price, wasn't it, Scarf? Yeah, you know, I don't want to side with anybody charging $40 tickets for Open Cup games, especially when you hear all of the other prices for the other teams throughout the Open Cup tournament. And there were some surprises, which we'll talk about in a minute. But it was the first game this season for us to play at the Open Cup, and it featured two MLS sides, which was certainly different from the first two games that we played at the bank last year, our wins against Fresno and Sacramento Republic. So look, I get why they charged $40, I think, although it was only $10 tickets for the 3252. And by the way, 3252 was full and rocking. They, they were, represented it. It was man. incredible. I, I saw Mo at the end of the game. He was he was drenched in sweat. They looked great out there. Again, this is the lifeblood of our club, and I can't tell you what it means. You and I, Philly, talked to so many fans who had not been to an LAFC game before at Bank of California Stadium, and almost every single person that we talked to that was there for their first game, they would look over at the 3252 and they would go, yeah, but those guys are nuts. And it was absolutely true. They were going from minute one through the end of the game. We thought there might be a little bit of a letdown, middle of the week. Maybe a lot of people hadn't planned for the game, but not the 3252. The 3252 has shown why they are the most important 12th man in all of the MLS. Again, thank you so much to the 3252. And speaking of the 3252, the honorary Falconer today wasn't a celebrity in the sense that it wasn't a Hollywood movie star, it wasn't a musician, it was a proud and very prominent member of the 3252. Shout out to the Tigers, shout out to Sujin. She was out there representing with Fig. Fig had a milestone in the sense that this was his first flight in over a year. 
Fig did his thing. We had a member of the 3252. Once again, shout out to the Tigers. Shout out to you, Sujin. It was awesome that we had 3252 Falconer today. Yeah, real quick. I also want to give a shout out to Jenna. She was not on the field with the Falcon, but where we sit, Philly, in our seats and founders, we don't normally get to see Jenna, but I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. If Jenna wants to talk about this, when you guys go see her right next to the LAFC Foundation table in section 135 for all of the MLS matches at Bank of California Stadium, ask Jenna about what she gets to do before the game during the Falcon flight and where she is. It was the first time that I got to see Jenna before the the match where she's up there for her pregame Falcon flight. That was pretty cool. So yeah, ask Jenna about that. We just want to give a shout out to Jenna because we love her so much. And obviously to the first family of Falconry, to Ken and his incredible family. But yeah, an incredible atmosphere one more time at Bank of California Stadium. Real quick, let's get into what's going to happen on this episode. Of course, we're going to have a little moment of this day in LAFC history. We're going to do a very quick talk about the LAFC Academy and some history that hopefully will be made in the next week or so. A very quick recap of the Gold Cup that is going on, the Copa Oro. We've got LAFC players featuring on three different teams in the Gold Cup right now. And of course, a little bit about where we're at in the Open Cup right before we break down the burial of the San Jose Earthquake. So with that, let's get into this day in LAFC history. Just a couple of things. Again, we are recording this It is actually now Friday, June 21st. We got home from Bank of California Stadium. We are here at beautiful Burbank, California, Philomonster Studios. Just a couple of quick things. Of course, you saw it on our Instagram a couple of days ago. Happy birthday to Edward Atuesta. That was June 18th. He was born in 1997, and all I was doing was graduating from the eighth grade at that point. Oh, God, I was a junior in high school. This day in LAFC history, though, in fact, last year on the 20th, We also played an Open Cup game. We defeated USL side Sacramento Republic 3-2 in a round of 16 Open Cup match at the Bank of California Stadium. Benny Failhaber, Diego Rossi, and Latif Blessing with goals. It was an 89th minute goal, in fact, from Latif Blessing. It was a chippy physical match. I mean, you could tell that Sacramento Republic wanted to prove something out there. They received four yellow cards, and we'll talk about some of the yellows we had today with San Jose, but they received four yellow cards in that game. So that was this day in LAFC history on the 20th of June 2018. And lastly, I don't think we're going to have an episode before the 23rd, so I want to mention this as well. June 23rd of last year, 2018, Stephen Batashore became the 100th player in MLS history to make his 200th start in our 2 nothing win against the Columbus crew and local boy Jossie Zardis. It was two very, very early goals. Laurent Simon in the fourth minute and Dio in the eighth minute scored very early there. It was Simon's third free kick goal of the season. But what else was notable about that game is that we were actually without Carlos Vela. He, on that same day, June 23rd, became the first LAFC player to score a goal in the World Cup, burying a penalty kick in a 2-0 win for Mexico over South Korea. And that has been this day in LAFC history. What we're going to do real quick is to move on and talk about our fantastic LAFC Academy Philly. You and I get to talk quite a bit 
about the parent club, of course, the the men in black and gold, but it's it's not often that we get to talk about the incredible and deep LAFC Academy that we have here with LAFC. No, you're absolutely right, and it's only a matter of time before one of these boys ends up on the senior roster. It's going to be a fantastic thing. We have grown Truthfully, from a youth academy, I mean, Los Angeles Football Club was something that was created by our buddy LAFC Rich, and it's blossomed into something absolutely beautiful. But these young lads are on the precipice of something absolutely amazing. Scarf, why don't you tell our listeners what the academy is doing right now? Yeah, going down right now are the Development Academy Championships, and LAFC is part of eight teams that are vying for the Development Academy Championships. They had their first game June 20th, which was today. I mean, technically it's really early Friday morning, but we played our Open Cup game on June 20th. We're talking about today as in June 20th, and they absolutely ran roughshod over Philadelphia Union. They won 5-1. to one. The cool part about these games, and there's two more games left in their round-robin style, the Eight teams have been divided into two groups of four, and then the winners of each group will play each other for the championship. All of the games are actually in Oceanside, California at the SoCal Sports Complex down there by San Diego. We have one more game Friday, June 21st against the Chicago Fire at 5.15 p.m. on Field 8. And then on June 23rd on Sunday, we play the former Fight and Fail Hobbers LAFC versus the Colorado Rapids at 1 p.m. on Field 5. And if you want to go check out the Academy, again, they are vying for the Development Academy Championship, a national title. And of course, we wish our Academy team well. That being said, Philly, we've got the Gold Cup going on right now while we have the Open Cup, and we're going to try to stick to as much domestic soccer as we can. But with the Gold Cup, Philly, the cool part about that is we have four players right now representing their country while wearing black and gold. Absolutely. Four of our boys, in fact, we have Tyler Miller and Walker Zimmerman representing the United States men's national team. We have Peter Lee Vassell representing Jamaica, and we have Mark Anthony Kay representing Canada. Obviously, it hurts our lineup to have these boys out on international leave, but it is tremendous experience for them to be playing on an international stage, and they represented our black and gold faithful real well. I will say this, as much as I wanted to watch that game, Scarf, you and I were actually at the Dodger game, that match against Guyana. Yeah, you know, USA got off to a pretty easy start, I think, as things go, Philly. Being matched up against Guyana, of course, a 4 nothing. I wouldn't know we were win. killing the Giants in Chavez Ravine. <laughs> That's right, it was a 9 nothing win for the Dodgers that night behind Kike. Do you Kike, love me? it's Are your you birthday. I love Kike. Oh my goodness, the Grand Slam there to put the game away 9 nothing against the hated Giants. Screw the Giants. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, the U.S., it was an overmatched Guiana side. But more importantly, Walker Zimmerman played a full 90 minutes in a fantastic effort there for Team USA. All three squads that you just mentioned, Jamaica, Canada, and USA, played their first games 
Uh, Jamaica had a fantastic win. It was a 3-2 win over Honduras. And honestly, Peter Lee Vassell looked really, really good out there. He had an assist on a beautiful corner kick. Look, that might be something that we see in the future with Peter Lee taking some of these corner kicks there. It was a beautiful free kick that led to a goal off of a header. He had an assist there in the first game. Mark Anthony Kay had an assist in Canada's first game, a 4-0 win over Martinique. So both players there getting assists for their respective national team clubs. Unfortunately, Mark Anthony Kay and Canada have actually already played their second game in the Open Cup, and they ran into a buzzsaw in Mexico and lost 3-1 to one with Kay picking up a yellow card. The other thing I want to mention is that on the 22nd, which of course is Saturday, Hold on to your hats and keys, everybody. It is the match that Taylor Twellman has been losing sleep over since they lost the last one. USA, their next match, of course, is against Trinidad and Tobago. So we'll see what happens. They lost the last time we played Trinidad and Tobago. Mexico looks really good. U.S., look, they they beat Guyana for nothing which is like, I don't know, the Dodgers playing against my softball team and beating us <laughs> 25 to Your nothing. softball team's pretty good, though. No, no, no. I'm the pitcher. There's only the uh, the lowest of ceilings on occasion there for us. But you got you to gotta give credit where credit is due. And U.S. beat the team in front of them in Guyana. We should absolutely beat the team in front of them in Trinidad and Tobago. And that ends our Gold Cup rundown. Philly, it is time to talk about the Open Cup. Indeed. Let's start getting into the match recap. With the Smurfquakes of San Jose Village, the last time these two met was in San Jose, an away game in which LAFC registered a 5 versus 0 on the Richter scale versus the Smurfquakes. If you watch the cartoon The Smurfs, or if you're in Europe, in Germany, they're called the Schlumpfer, the Smurfs always seem to get the upper hand in the cartoon, but this time Gargamel won, and today Gargamel won again. This Open Cup... We treat it like a brand new season. Regular season stats do not count. And the worst thing we can do as a fan base and as a team is come into this matchup with the winds of arrogance on our backs. LAFC's last Open Cup match was a win up at Rio Tinto Stadium in Salty, Utah. Yes, I know it's Sandy, but after the whooping we gave real... Salt Lake, because Real Salt Lake isn't a name meant to be given to a team playing in Utah. We left that place salty rather than sandy. San Jose came into this Open Cup matchup barely squeaking by Sacramento Republic 4-3. This was a matchup that both teams had. They were going back and forth. Sacramento pulled out ahead on a couple of occasions. Unfortunately, their upset was smashed. The Smurfs of San Jose Village prevailed against Sacramento Republic, but that put them up against us. I will say this. I mentioned that regular season stats don't count, but how can we not bring up the fact that San Jose looked absolutely awful when we played them at Avaya Stadium early this season? Matias Almeida, the head coach, the gaffer, of San Jose, true to his resume, he has a reputation for turning things around. He did it at his previous clubs. He did it in Argentina with River Plate and Atletico Banfield in 2013. He did it with Chivas Guadalajara in Liga MX. Could he do the same in San Jose? No. I will say this. You say no. However, this was a team that was scraping the 
bottom of the MLS barrel. Horrific bottom of the MLS barrel. However, they have crawled their way back into a semi, I'm not going to say respectable, I'm going to say a semi-respectable place in which they are back in the hunt for the MLS playoffs. They are fueled by the now all-time leading scorer in MLS history. Chris, I wonder how he still is doing this. Wondolowski, this guy has been a machine, scoring seven goals in the past three games. We mentioned this earlier, as a result of international play, LAFC comes in without some of their key components. Miller, Zimmerman, K, Peter Lee, international duty. Horta packed up his hairspray and headed back to SC Braga to be reunited with his brother. That leaves us with Pablo Cisniega behind the pipes. Thank the heavens that we had Pablo Cisniega behind the pipes. This man had an absolute gem of a game on the road against RSL. He had an absolute gem of a game at the bank, didn't he, Scarf? Look, I think what we are seeing is our backup goalie, Pablo Cisniega, is as good as most goalies in the MLS. He is playing out of his mind right now. We were so impressed with the way that he played against RSL. And as you will hear in our recap, especially with our wait, what moment of the podcast, we are even more impressed with Pablo Cisniega now. We don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but the man of the match might have something to do with that. But this kid, if he can stay healthy, there is no reason why he can't be the leading backstop for somebody in the MLS or somewhere around the world. Stop giving I, them ideas. I don't scarf. think I don't think Tyler Miller has to be looking over his shoulder for his job. I think he's been the best goalie in the MLS thus far this season. But when you have somebody playing the way that Pablo Cisniega is, what confidence that that must give somebody like Bob Bradley to know that, look, all right, we got the goalkeeper situation down because you and I talked about it a ton last year, Philly. If something happened to Tyler Miller, we weren't sure. Was it going to be Quillen Roberts? Was it going to be Charlie Lyon? We had options, but I don't think we had options we were comfortable with. Now, personally, after these two games, I'm not only seeing an option I'm comfortable with, I'm seeing an option that I feel could be just as good as who I believe, because they announced the all-star starting goalkeeper, of course, that's your guy, Runkle, Brad Guzan, from Atlanta. Unbelievable. So, well, that's just because Atlanta has 40,000 people at every game voting for their all-stars. It's my personal belief that Tyler Miller will be announced as another all-star, as a backup goalkeeper there to Brad Guzan. So when you have an all-star quality keeper in Tyler Miller, and now you have a player who's playing like an all-star quality keeper in Pablo Cisniega, things are looking good. Now, LAFC came out in a little bit of a different lineup, Philly. Let's talk about their starting 11. Yep, no surprise. We came in aggressive. We came in attacking with that typical 4-3-3. But between the pipes, we had Pablo Cisniega. Our back line consisted of Harvey, Segura, Silva, and Blackman. Blackman has been a very, very nice addition to basically help us while Stephen Betashore is recovering. Blackman, you are definitely proving your worth. In our midfield, we had Blessing, Win, Atuesta. <sighs> Unbelievable. I mean, that's an all-star midfield in itself. Yep. And starting up front, we had Rossi, Dio, and Vela. How did San Jose line up, Scarf? So they lined up in a 4-2-3-1 that we've seen a couple of different times now. 
of course, with Andrew Tarbell back there in goal. I actually thought Andrew Tarbell played pretty decently. In front of Tarbell, of course, Francis Affalter, Garam Kashia, Marcos Lopez, and Tommy Thompson. In the midfield, we had Magnus Eriksson, Jackson Uel, and Judson. I, I give the guy all the credit in the world. Christian Espinosa, one of their forwards. I said to our boys Lalo and Gaston before the match started. The twins! Shout out, twins. We love you. I can't stand Vaco. And Vaco, every time that we play San Jose, I feel like Vaco finds his way around the ball, scores a goal, does something that just, oh, I can't stand the guy. Vaco starting on the front line along with the all-time leading goal scorer, Chris Wondolowski. Indeed. So as far as the matchup is concerned, it wasn't really a repeat of the pillage in Smurf Village that happened earlier in the season. It was a nerve-wracking game. Matias Almeida's troops, they normally come out in an aggressive manner, and this Smurf team definitely started out that way. Scarfy, for the first time in a while, we weren't the team to strike first. In the seventh minute, San Jose struck first. And tell us who scored that goal, Scarfy. I hate Vaco. Seriously, I hate Vaco. It was a play where all of a sudden one of the players got behind us. It was Espinoza on the break, and Espinoza from the right side, a beautiful cross. Look, I, I got to give it to our, our goalie, Pablo Cisniega. He saw it happening, but he, there was just too much space there between the ball and the goalie. And it was a bad goal. I feel like we started out that game, especially the first 30 minutes. Look, San Jose came out in a little bit of a different pressing attack where they were basically marking 1v1. I think it was Angels on Parade that talked about this during the course of the game. I think they tweeted it out at halftime that for at least the first 30, 40 minutes of the match, San Jose was marking 1v1 and really playing that physical style that we've come to know from San Jose. After the seventh minute, look, we still didn't look comfortable in Philly. We had a goal again. We could have been down 2 nothing, but Wondolowski just offside. No argument from him, by the way, so he was definitely offside. But a really shaky start. It could have been 2 nothing after 20 minutes, and thank goodness after about 30, we finally settled down. Oh, no doubt. I mean, I'm sitting there chomping on my nails. I'm getting to the point where I'm, I'm almost at my cuticles. Ninth minute. You mentioned, you know, the 30th. Carlos Vela in the ninth minute actually had an opportunity where he missed high to the left. I will say this. As the game's going, you're wondering if this is one of those games where Carlitos, will he continue on his goal streak? More on that statement later. Pablo Cisniega put into a situation where he's got his, what, second game? He doesn't have that many professional minutes within his career. He did play for Real Sociedad, but he didn't have much of a career there. He suffered a ruptured spleen. He suffered something most people couldn't even imagine. So his playing time, even in La Liga, wasn't that tremendous. But the kid showed us why he was a tremendous asset to our team. He 
He could start for so many other clubs. I don't know what it is about us and backup goalkeepers. We have such luck. Tyler Miller wasn't a starter. I don't even think he was meant to be a starter. If you saw Angels on Parade when they posted the salaries for the LAFC players, Tyler Miller's salary clearly indicated the fact that he was not meant to be a starter. It was Bubba. Bubba had the higher paying salary. We didn't know what to expect with Tyler Miller, but he came out there and he showed what he was worth and he kept his job. Pablo Cisniega, another backup for the most part, comes in, shows why he is worth every single dime that we pay him. But yeah, he kept us in this game. And in the 35th minute, Lee Wynn with a tremendous ball connects with the left foot of Diego Rossi from a ridiculous angle. He squeezes the ball past Tarbell. And just like that, LAFC equalizes the game. Whoo! Thank God. 1-1. Look, we heard the whole stadium really breathe a sigh of relief after that goal. And what touch there by Rossi. Beautiful pass by Lee Wynn. There wasn't really a ton of buildup before that goal. It was just a nice pass there by Lee Wynn. But you really felt, and by the way, you mentioned Booba. He looked awful in the Gold Cup in their last match. That was, of course, against Jamaica and Peter Lee Vassal. He really didn't look good. So, sorry, Booba. I'm, I'm kind of glad we've got Cisniega back there now and not you, bud. Yep. But in the 35th minute, again, that goal, (laughs) that led us to a 1-1 half. And we really felt like, all right, we found the equalizer. We can breathe a little bit. We can start pushing forward, start gaining momentum. Look, it's very rare that we're not able to be the aggressor out there, even against physical teams like Portland, like San Jose. We've been able to kind of impose ourselves in the first half and just keep throwing numbers forward. Now, personally, I think some of that has to do with the fact that Mark Anthony Kay wasn't out there. I think some of that has to do with the fact that there was no Walker Zimmerman back there. Tristan Blackman has played a heck of a last couple of games. The guy looks like he can step in and start in that role for us. And I will say, Philly, you and I will talk about this a little bit later. How comfortable does Tristan Blackman look with the ball at his feet? He's the one pushing that ball forward. He's the one making things happen in that same role that we're kind of used to Jordan Harvey and Steven Batershore doing. It seems to be right now that Tristan Blackman, along with a few times, by the way, by Danilo Silva, I thought Silva might be one of those weaker links for us there as he really hasn't gotten a lot of run lately. But Tristan Blackman and Danilo Silva... As we approach now the second half, they really looked more comfortable as things went on. And I will say, one of the things, Philly, that you and I have been talking about almost on every podcast, at least I know I've mentioned it a few times, is how LAFC just doesn't look good on set pieces, but then came the 48th minute. 48th minute, again, we start the second half with a 1-1 draw, thankfully. 48th minute, we nearly capitalize and go ahead. Carlos Vela corner kick connects with the head of Eddie Segura. His header, unfortunately, bounces off the left post. It would have been tremendous. Steady Eddie has been a rock in our back line. I didn't make up Steady Eddie. That was a term given by, I think, Are We LAFC is our, the, uh, the podcast in our LAFC pod fan that coined that term. Steady Eddie was fantastic. It would have been great for him to score a goal, but despite the fact that he made it past Tarbell, it bounced off the left post. And, <laughs> and I got to say this. Interestingly enough, we finally had Dio 
in a starting role. Normally, we've had Christian Ramirez starting pretty much every game. Dio has come in. He, he's been nursing injuries. He's obviously made an impact early on in the season. We haven't seen him in a bit, but Dio had a whole lot of opportunities. I thought, I don't know, Scarf, you tell me. He was playing quite tentatively. There were several opportunities that he had inside and outside the box. He was aggressively running towards the goal, but I felt that he could have shot the ball on more than one occasion, wouldn't you say? Well, I feel like you just summed up most of the first half for us when you and I were yelling, shoot the ball at about four or five different players. And I actually had one of the fans sitting right behind us when MLS tweeted out or LAFC tweeted out, excuse me, the starting 11. And we saw, oh, wow, Dio is starting in the middle with Vela and Rossi on his flank. One of the guys turned and he said, oh, so we're going to get a solid, what, 30, 40 minutes out of Dio. And I think you, you're alluding to something that might have been more strategic than anything else with Adama Diamande. He didn't look like he was really trying to force the issue all that much in the first half, but this was because this was one of the first times that he was starting and expected to play significant minutes, and no more minute was significant for Adama Diamande than in the 60th minute, but it all starts with a man who should absolutely be in those purple jerseys, which, by the way, did you see Carlos Vela got his jersey before the game? That looked really cool. And rightfully so. The guy is the best player in the MLS, so I was glad to see him get his jersey. I know he had his wife and his, I think it was his son out by there By the too, way, right? by the way, speaking of which, have you seen these stupid MLS polls that have come out with who's the best player in the MLS? And Carlos Vela isn't even All on right. that list. All right. All right, everybody do me a favor. Get your brown paper bag and take a couple of deep breaths into it. <gasps> That was all about last year. and yes, I still think it's horse poop. I, I get it, but if you look at the names on that list, okay, first of all, I won't go into explaining to most of our listeners who Aaron Long is because it just doesn't matter. He has reverted right back into the person that a lot of people thought he was before last season. Last season, he was one of the best defenders in the MLS. He's reverted now back to a completely normal human being. And if you want to see where the Red Bulls are in the standings, those two things so are pretty correlative. drink the water in Newark, New Jersey? The other three players, however, on that list... Wayne Rooney made a splash and completely changed a garbage, and I mean garbage, D.C. United team. Zlatan is Zlatan, and by the way, that's name recognition and skill, so ESPN wants to put the name recognition out there. And the guy that broke the goals record in the MLS, Joseph Martinez. What I said on Facebook and what I'm going to say right now on this podcast is, I'm sure, I'm upset that Carlos Vela isn't in the voting, but here's what I'm looking forward to more than anything else. Next year... When the ESPYs are here in Southern California and we all get to go celebrate our first ESPY award winner, LAFC's Carlos Vela winning player of the year, that's going to be way more fun than moaning about, oh, he wasn't on the list this time. He's not going to win anyway. It should be Joseph Martinez for last year and nobody can argue about that. But next year, when you and I are making a road trip to downtown to go see the ESPYs to go watch Carlos Vela win the award while, you know, rubbing shoulder to shoulder with a bunch of other sports stars in wherever it is that they hold the ESPYs. I have no idea where, but I'm pretty sure it's in Southern California. We get to watch Carlos Vela win an ESPY next year. I'm more excited about that than I want to spend time complaining. But fair enough. in Fair the enough. 60th minute, 
Edward Atuesta on a beautiful through ball. He should absolutely be an all-star. Get the man his purple jersey. He should absolutely be an all-star. Edward Atuesta, a through ball to Diego Rossi. Diego Rossi, much more touch this game than he's shown in the last few. And a beautiful pass to Dio with a little shake and a little bake on Andrew Tarbell. Thought he was going to go left. He went right. He zigged. Should have zagged. A little shake when he should have baked. A goal for the man, the myth, the legend, Adama Diamande. You know, you kind of wonder, did he look over on the sidelines and did he witness Christian Ramirez warming up, getting ready to go in? Because I feel like the minute Christian Ramirez took off his bib, Dio scores. And he's like, coach, I can do this. I can actually score goals in the position that I'm placed in, unlike other players. I don't want to throw shade towards Christian Ramirez. I don't want to mention that there were opportunities that he had where he could have scored. I've mentioned in this in previous podcasts, I do not like to talk negatively about our players because I love our squad and I am a glass half full kind of guy, unless I drink it, of course, out of my shoe. Dio scores. We go up. Right after that, Christian Ramirez subs in. And I'm talking to our boys, the Twins. Once again, shout out to Lalo and Gaston. I mentioned to them, and they could vouch for me anytime y'all see them. I'm saying Ramirez is going to come in, capitalize. He's going to score the third goal. All will be forgiven. He had his opportunities. Sadly, they didn't convert. That's all I'm going to say. However, we're not going to talk about what didn't happen. We're going to talk about what did. And what I'm going to say is that Pablo Cisniega, throughout the course of the first half, throughout the course of the second half, he bailed our butts out on multiple occasions. The LAFC pipes were peppered with 20 shots. Nine of them were on goal. Pablo had eight saves, and he played a magnificent game. Tyler Miller doesn't get that many shots on a regular occasion, Cisniega did, and he played an outstanding game. Let's move forward. Let's progress on. Rossi, he had a goal. He had an assist. He had another amazing opportunity in which Danilo Silva could have gotten an assist, but the ball gets saved by the woodwork as it hits the crossbar. What happens next, Scarf? Yeah, so 83rd minute, Rossi hits the crossbar. 85th minute, Tristan Blackman to Carlos Vela looked really solid with the ball. Tristan Blackman, look, Danilo Silva in the 83rd, Tristan Blackman in the 85th. I just talked about it a couple of seconds ago. They look so fluid and comfortable with the ball, especially Tristan Blackman, man. He looked great. And of course, Tristan Blackman knows where his bread is buttered. That is the MLS MVP playing alongside of him. So he gets it over to Carlos Vela and... Look, I know this doesn't count towards his MLS goal total, but here we are now on the season. Carlos Vela cannot be stopped. I feel like Alicia over there at Angels on Parade has this one sentence just on copy and paste. Carlos Vela scores another goal. Carlos Vela scores another goal. I'm starting to think that I want to grow my hair out and put it in the headband just like Carlos Vela. It's going to be the new hotness around L.A., Is there anything sweeter than watching Carlos Vela put one into the back of the net, the 85th minute, wind out of the sails of the Smurfs, and that was pretty much it for the game. Look, 
93rd minute, Erickson walks in and bangs one off the post. It could have been three to two, but look, there were so many opportunities. You just mentioned one where Rossi hit one off the post. This game, we could have had four or five goals. Look, they should have had a penalty kick early on in the game that might have oh, led yeah. to a we're goal. We're not going to talk about that. No, but no, no, no. It, was, it was a sloppy, it was a very open cup kind of a game. If you understand that usually there's international competitions and trying to get players some extra run because it's not part of your MLS season, there were a lot of very open cup moments throughout the course of the entire game. But the most important moment was in a 90th plus five when that referee who found his whistle to be able to blow it in that moment, thank you very much for that, blew the game dead, and we are on to the round of eight. And Philly, I can't wait. The schedule is already out. We are already ready to go. It'll be July 10th at Bank of California Stadium, 10.30 Eastern. That's 7.30 for all of you Angelinos out there. July 10th, 7.30 p.m. at Bank of California Stadium. We get a chance to chop down some more wood. Bring on Portland. The terrible trees. The terrible trees themselves absolutely annihilated Carson yesterday. And I have to say this. Carson, shame on you. You did lose 4-0 yesterday. But you obviously played that game to lose. Portland came in with a solid squad. They even had Diego Valeri come in to make an exclamation point, punch in a fourth goal. You guys fielded what I would like to call a crap lineup. A crap lineup because Zlatan doesn't want to play on turf. I don't blame him. Portland, the greenest place in the U.S., and they play on turf. If I'm 37 years old, having had knee constructive surgery, I'm not going to play on that. He's not there. Legette's hurt. Dos Santos is out there with Mexico. You didn't want to play Portland because you knew if you won, you would run into us and we would absolutely obliterate you. Bring in your strong lineup. We'll still obliterate you. They played to lose. It was very obvious. Efrain Alvarez, the stud, he's not very good on set pieces. The kid, 17 years old, despite all the talent, does not have the skill to actually hit precisely off of a set piece. Portland wins 4-0. We have the terrible trees ahead of us. Bring them on. Going back to the matchup, Pablo Cisniega rightfully wins Scarf's Fantasy, oh. the man of the match scarf. Oh. The kid played well. I will say this. Latif Blessing did play like he was 10 feet tall. You and I sat somewhere differently than we're normally accustomed to. We sat up in the Founders Club. We've mentioned this before. We sat in Figueroa in the middle. We really got to see Latif Blessing play. The kid plays like he's 10 feet tall. He played a fabulous game. He took care of business. But Pablo Cisniega, well-deservedly so, got the man of the match. And let's go into the final stat line. Possession. Scarfy. We didn't dominate this one. This was actually split up the middle. LAFC 50. San Jose 50. We split this quite nicely with the Smurfs. The Smurfs had more shots. We tied them with shots on target. We had three less than they did. But I will tell you where they beat us. Fouls. They had 15 to our nine. Yellow cards. They had three to our one. No red cards. Offsides, not worth mentioning. 
Corner kick, 6-5. to five. We annihilated them. And Philly, after corner kicks, that brings us to our wait. What? what? Moment of the match. And, of course, that is brought to you, and I'm channeling my inner Sesame Street here. That's brought to you by the number eight. Ah, ah, ah. Eight saves in the match by Pablo Cisniega. That is our wait. What? what? Moment of the match. And it wasn't one moment. It wasn't two moments. It wasn't three moments. It wasn't four moments. It was eight moments. Pablo Cisniega looked incredible out there. There were two or three saves on the day, Philly, where this guy looked like he was an all-star keeper. And if not for several fantastic saves out of those eight, it's a much closer game. Our wait what moment had to have been the reemergence after the last game up in Sandy, Utah, of Pablo Cisniega. Eight saves on the day to Andrew Tarbell's six. Absolutely. As far as today's concerned, to kind of tie it all in together, Smurf Stew was the soup of the day, and LAFC served it to everyone that came to Bank of California Stadium, and boy, did it taste good! We, again, dominated the Smurf Quakes. Thank you for bringing your brand of losing football to the bank. Mike D was definitely out there smiling. We certainly appreciate it. We faced the terrible trees July the 10th. And that is the recap as far as our match against the Smurfs. Yeah. Smurf Village. Yeah, you know, really looking forward to the rest of how this Open Cup plays out. Just a little FYI, there are now only eight teams remaining in the Open Cup. Two of them are a big surprise. Let's talk about the four different regions. The East region, which they'll play on July 10th at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 LA time. It's Orlando City against your former boys, NYCFC, and that'll be at some place that sounds like Narnia, Exploria Stadium in Orlando, mm-hmm. Florida. So that'll Aslan. be that'll be a, a home game for Orlando He's City. Coming. The Mid East region. I have never been a fan of many things from St. Louis. I'm not a big fan of the Cardinals, though their fans are like the nicest baseball fans in the world. I enjoy the arch, but at the end of the day, it's just a hunk of twisted metal. You like beer, and a lot of beer comes from there. Anheuser-Busch. Shout out Schlafly's. Not not a big fan of Anheuser-Busch. Shout out Schlafly's. But you must drink the Schlafly's. At some place that also sounds like it's out of Narnia, Fifth Third Bank Stadium. Hold on. I'm going to say that again. Fifth Third Bank Stadium. Stadium. Now, I've chopped a lot of things into thirds. I've never seen five of them. I don't know what Fifth Third Bank is. A very large financial institution. It's not somewhere where I feel super comfortable putting my money because I feel like they got counting wrong and they mixed out on a couple of these words. But okay, it's called Fifth Third Bank Stadium in Kennesaw, Georgia. That will see the Atlanta United. That's right. The MLS reigning champion, Atlanta United, taking on a USL side, St. Louis FC, on July the 10th at 4.30. So those two games going to be going on at the same time. Seems like kind of a dumb scheduling quirk. If you're the Open Cup and your games, by the way, are already only viewable on ESPN+, and you only have four games left to show in this next round, why are you playing two of the games at the same exact time. 
guys, you got to be a little bit better about this, but that's okay. They gave a full half hour until the next game is going to be played. And again, I am rooting for the New Mexico United, another USL side who's looked really good. They have beaten a couple of solid teams on their way to playing against Minnesota United. So it's going to be at beautiful Allianz Field, who, Philly, you and I have talked about wanting to go up to Minnesota to see that new stadium they have there. and Let's be able do to, it. Let's yeah. sit with the Wonderwall. We, that's right. We want to sing Wonderwall up there with the crowd. That looks like a whole lot of fun. So it'll be a home game for Minnesota United against USL side, New Mexico United. So that'll be at Allianz Field July 10th at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. And then, of course, we've got our game, LAFC against Portland, rounding out the Elite Eight, the quarterfinals of the Open Cup. So again, Orlando City SC takes on NYCFC, Atlanta United against my new favorite team, St. Louis FC, Minnesota United against my new second favorite team, New Mexico United, and of course I bleed black and gold, LAFC against Portland, July 10th, 7.30. Get your tickets as soon as they go on sale. It'll probably cost more than it did last year. Absolutely. Couple more things to wrap up this episode of Defenders of the Bank. Earlier in the day, the U.S. women's national team closed out their group stages against Sweden. Scarf and I will are mentioning this because the Defenderettes recorded an episode earlier today highlighting the group stages. This episode is going to be out very soon because the women's national team plays again early next week, Monday to be precise, I believe at 8 a.m. Keep an eye out for that. We will have this episode out by, I want to say, Saturday. Also, to look out for, we have our interview with the band, All Good Things. This will be dropped for your Monday morning commute. You're not going to want to miss this interview. Scarf and I had a blast chatting with lead singer Dan and guitar player Andrew. They are an unbelievable band. 100 plus million views on YouTube. They have been featured in so many things. They are huge LAFC fans and they have a fantastic story. The week after that, we will be having our interview drop with Ra Diaz. Ra Diaz is the basis for the legendary band Suicidal Tendencies. And Scarf and I and Pan and Scarfette, we were hanging out with Ra and the band's manager, Lorenzo, earlier today. Such amazing people. We had a great time with Ra. You're definitely going to love this interview. They love LAFC as much as we do. Lorenzo is from Italy. Lorenzo is an AC Milan fan. For all of you out there, AC Milan, these guys basically gave birth to the ultras culture. If not Tifo, you've heard that term before. That comes from Italy. There is nothing like having an Italian man swearing an Italian behind you at a game and makes you feel as if you are in Europe. After that, we will be getting back on track with a few more surprise guests. As per our usual commentary, the MLS season kicks off once again June 28th when the black and gold head to the Mile High City to face the Colorado Rapids. That's what we have to look forward to. That's what we wanted to give you the heads up for. Before we wrap this up, Scarf, 
Do you have anything else you want our listeners to know? Yeah, you know, I'm really excited. You and I have been working on a couple of things behind the scenes, some player interviews and some new content that we've got going on. But we won't tell them yet. Yeah, no, not yet. But I also want everybody to be on the lookout. If you hadn't heard our last episode with the Bari family, Matthew and Nima, please take a listen. It is a fantastic story. Matthew Bari, who covers LAFC for Persian Radio, and his son Nima, who is now a professional footballer in Brazil. Just an incredible couple of stories there, and really fun to listen to this father and son duo talk about soccer and LAFC and why they love all of that so much. And again, it's a family I've known for quite some time. A really fun listen. And we do want everybody to have a quick heads up on July 6th, which we'll talk about a little bit more on our next couple of podcasts. But on July 6th, not only will we be having our tent up and a little bit of a tailgate, and we're going to be having lots of fun out there on Christmas Tree Lane at our next home MLS match, but you've already seen the original, the OG, the black and gold Falcon pin. You've, of course, seen our Pride pin, which we were really excited to unveil for June, for Pride Month, and for the game in May because we didn't have a home game in June. But we've got another pin coming up in honor of the 4th of July. Our game is on the 6th. I hope you guys enjoy it. We'll have a little bit of preview of that pin in the next couple of weeks on our Instagram. And again, if you're not following us on Instagram at Defenders of the Bank, please do a YouTube channel coming shortly featuring the Defenders of the Bank. That will be done and on and popping before June is over. And again, you can follow Philly at philamonster 35 on Instagram. You can follow me at LAFC underscore the scarf. And we are so excited to be able to keep bringing you all of the black and gold action, the game recaps, the interviews. Do us a favor on our Instagram at Defenders of the Bank. Shoot us a message. Hey, this would be really cool for you guys to do on your podcast. Or you should interview these people. Or you should talk about this more. Or you know what? You guys should just shut up and let the Defenderettes take over the whole podcast. (laughs) Whatever it is that you feel like we should do. We want to hear from you guys out there. We have a lot of positive feedback when we run into people at Bank of California Stadium or at LAFC headquarters or while I'm taking a Julius Peppers up at Free Play, whatever it might be. We want to hear your feedback. We love doing this. This is the LAFC podcast for the people. So we put it in your hands. Tell us what you want to see next on subsequent episodes of Defenders of the Bank. We only have two home games in July. So we're going to have a lot of time to be able to work on new content, get some more interviews out there, track down some fun stories. So again, thank you guys so much for being so incredibly supportive of another great episode of Defenders of the bank philly anything you want to close with nope all i want to say is that's all the time we have definitely appreciate everything come join us on july 6th at christmas tree lane come do a shoey with me in the scarf Blah. yeah he's gonna do one he's not we're gonna sign off the same way that we sign off at the conclusion of every single defenders of the bank show we're gonna be doing this until y'all bury us six feet deep scarf Bye-bye.